0: Hi and welcome to the Jimboomba Baptist Church sermon of the week. We hope that you will be encouraged and challenged by this message. The cutest one in the room, that's who's. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right, uh, I have a confession to make. I'm a little bit soft. And some of you are thinking, Scott, we already knew that, you're soft, you know, but if you didn't know me before and you see how buff I am and everything, you think, I'm a pretty tough bloke, you know, there's not, not much softness about me, but I am. Now, you're probably going to ask me about this, so I'm going to just tell you right now. All right, so this week, so a while ago, Jay tells me it was over a year ago, but it doesn't seem that long to me. Um, I was working in the yard and I got like a, a nick or a sting or something, I don't know how, anyway, in this one spot, tiny little thing and it kind of got agitated, and then it kind of swelled up a little bit, and then there was red around it, and then the red traveled up my arm, I'm like, that's not good, is it? All right, I went to the doctor, yes, it's infected, did the antibiotics, all good, my arm didn't fall off, excellent, you know, like in the past it would have, you know, they cut it off, and uh, they sorted it out, and the doctor, and there was still a lump under the skin, okay, and the doctor was not concerned. He's like, oh, it's a lump, it'll go in a few months, maybe a couple of years, whatever, I'm like, Really? A couple of years? Okay. Anyway, another doctor saw it and he said, that's kind of an annoying lump, isn't it? He's like, I'm not concerned about it, don't worry, but do you want that gone? I'm like, yes, please, thank you. So went under the knife this week, right? So they took me into the back room and laid me down on this thing. I'm kind of sitting up, lying down. And uh, they, you know, started start all and um, I'm not going to watch this, all right? And so I'm looking out the window. There's a mango tree in the distance. I'm like, I'm going to fix my eyes on that mango tree, right, Uh, while I'm hearing what's going on. And they do the local, right, which, you know, no issue. But something is in me. (laughs) Logically, I know. I, I can handle the local. That's all good. But now I know that they're getting this really sharp knife that they don't even call a knife. They call it a scalpel. And they're going to like, I'm sorry, kids, if you're, you close know, closure is. they're going to cut me open like that Terminator scene where he does it to himself, right? And, you know, and peel back my skin and pull. Uh, and this is going through and something in me, logically, I'm like, this is all fine. He's a trained doctor. I'm not going to feel anything. It's just a minor procedure. But something deeper in me reacts. And Scott starts going a little pale. <laughs> Told her I'm a bit soft. This is my confession. Starts going a bit pale and the male nurse goes, you're right there. I'm like, I get a bit queasy at times. Like, okay, we'll just keep breathing in and out. I'm like, I'm already doing that. Would you like a drink? Of course I want a drink. Get me a drink. You know, and I'm drinking and, you know, like I'm in labor. Okay. Okay. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. He's cutting my arm open with a knife, but I'm going to be Okay. And I get the cold sweats and, okay, it's my confession, church. I'm soft, okay, I'm soft. I didn't fully pass out, okay, because I'm so manly. I didn't fully pass out. But the cold sweats and all that was embarrassment enough. But the thing is this. Logically, I knew everything was okay. Logically, and the pain, I could feel a tiny bit, but that's, that's not the, what was the issue. Something deeper was going on. I was having a deeper, like, mmm reaction. Do you know what I mean? Like, logically, you tell yourself, that's fine. You know, and people that have needle phobias and all that, you, logically, you know it's fine. But there's this deeper mmm that is far deeper than your mental, your knowledge, your mental assent, your logic, right? And it's this mmm and the thing is, our deepest mm shapes our thoughts, feelings, and behavior, doesn't it? See, I was going to write our deepest beliefs, but as soon as we think beliefs, yeah, I believe that, I believe that, but there's something deeper than what we call our beliefs, isn't there? There's that mm, I believe that that was going to be fine, it cut me open, that's fine, I don't have to look, it's going to be fine, there's going to be minimal pain, like that's Logically and intellectually, totally fine. But there's a deeper mmm that actually forms and shapes my thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. You know this, don't you? You know this because you have the same experience. Uh, A.W. Tozer said this. He said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most Important thing about us. Did you hear that? What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Let me put it in my language. What is our mmm about God? Because we can say, yes, God is good and he's omnipotent, he's omniscient, and omni, you know, all, all, all the theology, and we can you know, give mental assent to that. And yes, I've got good theology and I tick all these boxes and whatever and Jesus died for my sins and yeah, that's, that's amazing, all that. But there's something deeper going on in every person. It's our mm about God, about who God is. See, how we ultimately picture our mm about God, how we picture, think about, and our gut feel about God is so important. Because it shapes our real thoughts, our feelings and behaviours. Much more than the things that we say but we believe. And we even believe we believe. There's something deeper going on. And we have a look at a passage like this. James 1.17. I love this. James is the blunt, you know, epistle, right? The blunt letter. If you want a blunt letter, he gives it to you straight. And he says this. He's been talking about temptation and that. He says, Every good... And perfect gift, okay, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. The Father of lights. He's saying everything that's good and perfect, just like our Father in heaven, like He is like light. There's often the metaphor. God is light. In him, there's no darkness. Like, he's pure. He's pure goodness. He's perfectly good. He's pure goodness. There's no darkness, no evil, no even taintedness about any aspect of his nature or character at all. If you could see him, he is fully captivating. There's, There's like a clarity. The essence of who God is is totally pure totally beautiful there's no shifting shadows in him no darkness no no speck of a question of how good he is if we could know how ultimately good he is but unfortunately we view even other people or other characters sometimes even fictional characters as better than god don't we like really we we often like perceive that this person is more approachable to me. Maybe, you know, maybe not for all of us, but uh, there the are sometimes aspects about certain people or whatever, and we're drawn to them in a way that we're not drawn to God. Because if we knew who God was perfectly, we would be drawn to Him more than anything else ever. Absolutely, right? And sometimes... You know, it's that family member, that kind person. Um, maybe even a fictional character like Aslan, who likes the Chronicle of Narnia series. And we, we maybe even look and Aslan, C.S. Lewis wrote this as a you know, whole analogy of the gospel, and Aslan is the Jesus character. And sometimes we might gravitate more towards an Aslan than the Jesus of the Gospels. And it's because of that mm, inside of us. It's that deep mm. the result is this. The result is often, whether it's conscious or subconsciously, we're constantly questioning God's goodness. We're constantly questioning can I really trust God? We wrestle to trust God. If he tells us to do something, or we read something that we're meant to do, we struggle to obey. That is all because there's something wrong in our <clears throat> picture of God, that deep down. we maybe, maybe we have insecurity, or we're fearful, or we struggle to love God. You know, I just don't feel like spending time with God. I don't. I struggle to worship him. You know, all of that is is the, the surface level, the fruit of the root of not really knowing who God is. Do you get that? Any, anything that hinders that being drawn to God, worshipping, loving Him, obeying Him, wanting to spend time with Him, it exposes a root that something's wrong with our mm, picture of God of who he truly is, pure and awesome. So I want to challenge our deeper, "Mm," our gut feelings about God this morning. We're going to start a little series on blessing. Just leading up to camp, um, looking at, you know, God, where does blessing originate? It originates from God. And we're going to look at a few different angles of blessing ...and aspects of God's blessing. And today we're going to look at blessing... ...in terms of that it is God's heart. Blessing is God's heart. It's the essence of who He is. And I'm going to make this statement. And you might even recoil a little bit... ...when you read this statement. I know I would have 20 years ago, okay... But here's a statement I'm going to repeat for the next few weeks. That God's intention is always to bless. God's intention is always to bless. I'm going to nut that out a little bit over the next few weeks, but today a little bit. I want us to get this deeper in us. Not just a mental knowledge, but deeper, down to the hmm now, let me just explain the word bless just really quickly. Bless means, in terms of God blessing, means to bestow God's grace on us, his grace, his goodness, his favor. It's the favor of God. It's a good status or standing with God. It can even be enduring a power upon us for things, uh, it's often to produce success in our lives in certain ways or flourishing or flourishing. And my goal is this, that we would all have a refreshed vision of God's beautiful heart. That we'd have a refreshed vision of God's beautiful heart. I don't want us walking away going, yes, yes. God wants to bless me, bless me. It's all about me, selfish me. You know, God can do whatever for me, 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 me. I don't want us to walk away with that. That's not the intention of this series. My intention of this series is this, that we walk away going, wow, God is good. He is good. He's so amazing. He wants to bless. He is good. I want it to be a God-focused thing, okay? Now, I'm just more aware than anything, like than other messages sometimes... Conveying information feels closer to the target. Whereas this, what I'm getting across today, it goes far beyond the information and to the... "Mm." So I need to pray for us that the Spirit takes the truth here and puts it deep in us, okay? Would you bow your heads and pray with me for a second? Father, I know that I can't convey how good and beautiful, and wonderful, and awesome that you are. And no one can do that with words. But you, by your Holy Spirit, can take these words and bring substance to them and put them deep in our hearts. And God, if these truths are already in our heads, Holy Spirit, may they, they, they drip down into our hearts so that our hearts and the deepest places of us are deeply affected by the reality of who you are, your goodness, that your heart is to bless. Holy Spirit, I ask that you do this this morning. Only you can. Only you can. And maybe just say a prayer in your own heart right now. Holy Spirit, I open myself up Father, I open myself up for whatever you want to deposit deeply in my heart this morning. Speak to us, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right, I'm going to just uh, leapfrog from a passage in the Old Testament. This passage is to the nation of Israel, okay? So, Numbers 6, 22, I'm sure you know it. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, now Aaron and his sons are the Levites, there are 12 tribes of Israel, and the, the tribe of the Levites were to be the priests, the ones that represent God to the people, and the people to God, okay? So that's Aaron and his sons are these Levites, these priests. And, and he says, tell, tell Moses... Uh, Tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. So God is setting them up because this is what he wants for his people. Okay, This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name, that's the Levites, will put my name on the Israelites, and I will bless them. Isn't that awesome? God's intention for his people, he even wants the priests to proclaim this over the people that the Lord blesses you. The Lord bless you. This is God's intention for his people. The Lord bless you. This, these aren't just nice words, this is like a there's substance to this. God is saying, I want blessing to come upon my people. Bless. Look at these words. Bless. Keep. Face shine. Gracious. Turn his face. Peace. What do these things mean? Well, bless, we've already talked about. Bless means God's grace and favor and good status and standing with him. Maybe even a power to bring a success of a type or flourishing. Face talks about intimacy, doesn't it? And friendship. Keep means protection and care. Uh, Face again, favor, goodness, friendship, intimacy. Gracious, Lord, be gracious to you. That's kindness and that's forgiveness, isn't it? To be gracious is to forgive, want to forgive. Peace is wholeness and rest and wellness. This is not about God being a Santa in the sky for his people, is it? Because look, face is mentioned twice. This is about an intimacy, a closeness of relationship. It's relationship, friendship with God. And this is what He wants for His people. When you come into this relationship with me, I just want to bless you and empower you with everything you need for life and flourishing. This is God's heart proclaimed to the is. This isn't even the new covenant yet, this is the old covenant. And Hebrews says very clearly, the new covenant is far better than the old, right? And this is God's heart even being expressed in the old covenant. The old covenant that's kind of old and stinky. It's, it's done away with in the new covenant, in Jesus, right? But you still see God's incredible heart to so bless. Incredible. This is amazing because it's always God's intention to bless God's intention is always to bless. And this is nothing new. It's not like I've kind of like, where can I find God's blessing in the Bible? Hmm, need to dig hard to find this one. No, in the Old Testament, God's blessing, the concept happens over 600 times in the Old Covenant. This is God's heart. It's central to the covenant relationship with God. It starts at the beginning of creation, uh, at Israel's birth, at the birth of the church, and it goes on for eternity. Look at these passages real quick. All right. In Genesis 1, after he creates people, he blessed them. He blessed the animals too. This is about life flourishing for people. In Genesis 12, the start of the nation of Israel with Abraham. God says to Abraham, I will bless you because his heart is to bless. And then he says, not only you, Abraham, but I'm blessing you so that all people on earth will be blessed through you. Is this God's heart for people or what? Is this God's heart for everybody or what? Say, or what? No, it's God's heart, isn't it? Come on. Am I the only person excited about this? Like, if you get this, if you get this. Oh, look at this. Jeremiah 17. Blessed uh, is the one who trusts in the Lord. Does God want everyone to trust in him? Yes. He actually wants to bless every person. Look at this in Ephesians 1, talking about the church. Uh, to uh, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has what? Blessed us in the heavenly realms with what? Every spiritual blessing in Christ. Is this not God's intention for every person? He wants to bless. He's a loving Father. He just wants to bless. This is who He is. And in Revelation 22, we read that there is no longer any curse. Why? Because everything is so bloomin' blessed. Everything is blessed. Everything is so fully and, you know, completely blessed. There's no curse. By the way, if you want to understand curse appropriately in the Bible, it's when God hands people over to what they've asked for, usually rejecting Him. It's usually the rejection of God's blessing. (laughs) Disobedience causes that. Pushing God away causes that. That we remove ourselves from his blessing. That's what curse is. When God hands us over to the consequences of evil and sin and destruction by our own choices. And that's not a good place to land in. God's intention is always to bless. And the biggest blessing as you read scripture... It's not like material blessings, you know, Lord, would you buy me a Mercedes-Benz, you know, bless you if you've got America, that's all good. But God's biggest blessing for us is himself. It's him. It's him. This is the biggest blessing that God could give anybody, his very personal presence, his own self to us. So why do we question Maybe even this phrase. I know 20 years ago, theologically, I would have been like, mm, no, Scott. Like, no, Scott. Yeah, I got that a lot when that movie came out. No, Scott. Uh, yeah, mostly God's intentions to bless Bart. there are all the, you know, it's the few nuances you want to put to that phrase and, you know, uh, the few out clauses you want to, you know, I could show you Bible passages that don't quite align with that. You know, the the 20-year-old Scott Wouldn't quite agree with this, and I've learned over the years why. Because I do believe this is absolutely true. The reason is this: it's the same reason why I almost passed out when doctor started cutting me up. You see, for years I've been fine with needles. I've never looked. All right, that's just a thing. Never looked, but I've been fine getting a needle or even giving blood. At one stage in my life, I would give blood. monthly. And no, putting a piece of steel in your skin is not comfortable. I wouldn't look for that part. But then I'd look and watch the blood going into the bag, and I was totally fine. I wouldn't be queasy like my, my, my mate who was really tall. Tall people seem to suffer terribly when they give blood. They go, you know, and I'd kind of pay him out. Oh, look He's getting a bit queasy, <laughs> going a bit pale. It wasn't me, you know, because I'm tough. I'm not soft. That's tough, right? But then a few years ago, and this only happened a few years ago, I was in Jimboomba, and I had to give blood, I have a blood test. And it was almost lunchtime, I hadn't eaten, and I hadn't really drunk much all morning. And I had this thought, I'm going to watch the needle today. And I also had a thought that went along with that, you're going to pass out. <laughs> and I watched the needle go in, and I did pass out. <laughs> And the nurse was not happy with me because I was sitting up and she had to catch me. Anyway, very embarrassing. And since that moment, it didn't change anything intellectually or what I believed, but something in me changed. And guess what happened every time I gave blood from that moment on? Got a little bit nervous. Got a little bit tentative. What's going to happen this time? What chemicals are going to go popping in my body today? You know? And I think that's why a lot of us balk, if that's the word, at this kind of phrase. God's intention is always to bless. Because maybe there's something in our lives and we question that because it doesn't seem true for us or for that situation we see. Or even when we read in the Bible, what about that? And instead of having that clear picture of god that he is pure light father of heavenly lights and only good and perfect gifts come from him we kind of think some tainted gifts have come from him we kind of think there's been some darkness on god's side, or at least some unexplained things in confusion and how could god let something happen And maybe we still affirm God is perfectly good and Jesus died for us. He's that good. But mm, we've had a needle in the past and that affects and infects our current mm, our view of God. That's what happens. That's what I've noticed as a pastor. That's what I've noticed in my own life. And what we need to do is to recognize that and to take God's blessings and let them be the mmm that defines everything else. And the Holy Spirit needs to do that in our lives. Because we live with a multitude of blessing, don't we? We do. We live with a multitude of blessing. Like especially uh, if you've been to other nations and just even materially. And when people come to this country, you're like, wow, it's opulent. There's so many material blessings. Like your roads don't have... Like holes in every, you know, every two meters. Like this is amazing. Everyone's got a car. Everyone lives in their own house. What? Your own house. How many sets of clothes do you have? Wow, you've got this kind of food to eat. Like you choose what food you eat. Wow, that's incredible. You know, you largely have your health. You know, I look at my life. I've largely got my health. a Beautiful wife, beautiful children, family, supportive friends. You know, a couple of cars, a house, like just everything materially. And and something then comes in. The needle is the, oh yeah, but what about those health issues? But what about that relational issue? But what about that financial trouble or that thing that came in? You know? And we think that God is withholding. We think that God's the one. Like we don't do this consciously. This happens all down here in the mmm space. This is this is what happens. When we we get a revelation of how good he is, it changes how we view him and everything. And Jesus wanted to even challenge what we see as God's blessing. He came along in a culture that saw wealth and prosperity as God's blessing. Well, you must be favored by God. You got, you know, material blessing. And he came along and said, Blessed are the poor. Poor in spirit in Matthew, poor in Luke. Blessed are the poor. Whoa. Blessed are those who mourn. Whoa. Hang on, Jesus. And he's trying to say, like, of all of how you look at society and think that you're favored by God and that, don't discount that God favors people that you don't think are favored. He favors them, He wants to bless them. Pour out his grace upon them. God doesn't withhold any good thing from us. And when it's evil or sin or the destruction caused by the fall, the suffering in this world, we're not to paint that as, well, God's doing that for something in my life. No. Does he withhold things from our life? Yes, but only when it's really good. And I'm not talking about sickness and all that kind of stuff, because when you see Jesus come along, he addresses that stuff straight away, doesn't he? He doesn't say, well, it's kind of God's plan that you'd be sick so you can you know, develop character or whatever. He never does that ever. He just addresses it as if it is against God's will. Does God withhold us things from us uh, for our own good at times? Yes, but you've got to be careful how you frame that. Because again, how you frame that depends how then you ultimately see God and have that "Mm," about God. Here's an example of when God does withhold things from us. Years ago, I went to the States. Uh, I've told this story before, maybe 20 years ago. And my idea was, I'd heard God speak to me before, but you know I had this impression that some people just hear from God all the time. And so I went to the States to learn about discipleship and mission and that, and, and ultimately I was going to the States to learn how to hear God's voice. Now I was going to come back to Australia and change the world, right? This was my goal. So I went with a lot of pride and I went to this group and we were learning about God and I did hear from God through other people, and it was an incredible time. But I had gone to learn how to hear from God directly to me. I was in a class of about 24 people, and those other 23 people, it seemed like, were all hearing from God. And guess who wasn't? <laughs> directly. Me. That's why I'd gone. I'd gone to hear, learn how to hear from God directly from me. And it seemed like everybody around me were getting these experiences and God speaking to them and he wasn't speaking to me. And I was like, what's up with that? God, I've come all the way to the States and I didn't want to be in the States at that point in my life. And you're not answering my request. Isn't this a good thing? He spoke to everybody else. And at the end of that time, one of my leaders said, Scott, you've got to decide this in your heart. If God never speaks to you for the rest of your life in the way that you want, are you still going to serve him? Yeah, 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 but I want him to. Anyway, I came home not knowing what to do. Prayed and prayed about it and God spoke to me in a really clear way to go back. And so I went back for another six months. I was there for about six months the first time. And when I went back the second time, I didn't go with such an agenda. I'm like, well, God, you're God. You obviously do what you want to do. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what to do this time. And you know what he did? He answered all my prayers for the first time that I went. And I heard from him and I learned my spiritual gifts. And, and it was a rich time. God's intention is always to bless good father he knows what's good for us though he knows when to withhold that stuff and again i'm not talking about evil or destruction in your life that's not god withholding that's the result of living in a fallen world god's intention is always to bless he has blessed us who have come to jesus with every spiritual blessing we're new creations in christ aren't we yep Lou is. we're new creations in christ aren't we All right, six of you. Good. We're new creations in Christ, aren't we? Isn't that such a good thing? And we are seated in the heavenlies with Jesus. Isn't that awesome? And we're forgiven our sins. And we are holy in His sight because of what Jesus has done. We are adopted into His family as children. We're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. That's a corporate thing. And we are gifted by God spiritual gifts uh, we're, we're being given so much we are more than conquerors we are victors in Jesus all these things are true about us who have come to Jesus you're you've forgiven your sins do you know that you have security in God before I went to this experience overseas I did hear from God a hundred percent in a clear way right now this I, I've only heard from God in this like absolute 100% clear way, maybe five times over 20 years. I don't think this is an everyday thing. I think God speaks a lot, maybe even every day. But in a really clear, thunderbolt kind of way, I think that's a bit of, bit more of a rare experience. But this was my first experience of this. God, I, I shared this a few weeks ago. I was in a communion service and, and I, I was taught, like when we take communion, just confess your sin before God. You know, just... Bring your heart to God and any sin, confess it and then thank him for his forgiveness. You know, eat the bread, drink the, drink the juice and thank Jesus for his sacrifice for us. And so I was doing this. I was going through the process of, Lord, thank you for what you've done for me. And I'm trying to think of my sin. And the only thing I could think of, I was that pure back then, was that I was speeding a lot. Right? I was speeding a lot. Okay? All right? I'm, I'm making progress on that one. Okay? Now... And I'm like, God, the only thing I can think of is I'm speeding. And I confessed that to him and made a commitment. I, I, I don't want to sin. I don't want to hurt you, God. And so I was confessing, God, I'm sorry that I speed. Now, I didn't feel any guilt about it. I didn't feel bad about my speeding. So I noticed that. So you know what I did? I tried to start to feel bad. About that. Because that was kind of my theology at the time. It's a bit bit funky. Right. And so I'm like, oh, I don't even feel bad about that. i have confessed it and I'm committing to not do it again. That's what repentance is, turning from it. The moment, the split second, I tried to make myself feel guilty for that sin, because it is sin. God said, You are forgiven. God answered a hundred of my questions. He he did a hundred things just with that statement. It was clearer than an audible voice, but it was in my mind. Okay, It was clearer than you talking to me, but it was in my mind. You are forgiven. It came with incredible peace. Now, I'd been praying for assurance of my salvation. I was 99.9% sure I was saved and secure for eternity, but 0.1% was too big for eternity, Right? I wanted to be sure, to be sure, to know, to know, to know, right? And so this was one of my prayers. God, I've just got to know. I'm pretty sure, but I just, I just don't want any doubt. And, and he answered that in that blink of an eye. He also told me something about repentance, that you know what? He doesn't necessarily want to make you feel dirty and, and bad and wrong before you repent. The point is that you repent, right? He has brought the conviction of the Spirit on my life many times where I felt terrible until I repent, but I noticed the passage says, Godly sorrow leads to repentance. If you're repenting, God doesn't drag you through the mud and go, do you know how bad you've been? Did you notice that? That's how good and pure he is. That's how pure his heart is toward you. He doesn't want you to actually feel bad about what you've done. He just wants you to move away from that, move forward in the life that he's got for you. Now, if you're not turning around, he'll let you feel that ter—you know that terrible, you know. But... God's intention. He's a loving Father. He wants to bless. Isn't that good? I learned so much from that one encounter with God. You are forgiven. Oh. And He wants to speak to me. I knew it. I'd read it in the Bible. Some people say, no, He doesn't do that today. <laughs> You're wrong. Like He does. He does. And personally to me, not just someone out there or on the platform or special. By the way, a lot of these experiences happened way before I was a pastor you know, it's almost like less has happened to me when I was a pastor. <laughs> now it all gets to happen to you. That's good. Bless you. God bless you. <laughs> this is awesome. This is how good God is. God is ultimately for you. And these spiritual blessings. And doesn't God want everyone to experience that? Look at this. Second Peter 3.9 The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise. There's some understood slowness because they're like, when's God, when's Jesus going to return? He's taking a long time. Is this really going to happen? But they're saying, but Peter says, instead, actually, he's patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. This is God's heart for every person. God's intention is always to bless. He, God is ultimately for you. Yes, God opposes the proud. Yes, judgment comes to those going against the grain of who God is. But look at God's heart, even toward the wicked. Ezekiel 18, do I take, this is God talking, do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked? So many people's answer is yes, because God's showing his justice and righteousness. This is God talking. Do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the sovereign Lord? Rather, am I not pleased when they turn from their ways and live? This is God's intention and heart for every, every, every person. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew 23. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often have I longed. This is the heart of God. This is Jesus. This is God with flesh on. This is God become flesh. How often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. God wants all to come to him. His intention is always to bless. God is not not looking to catch you out. <sighs> How many of us think that way sometimes? Oh, I'm just struggling or something and Uh, I'm not doing something perfectly right and God's just going to jump on me. You know, God's just going to point out my sin or where I've stuffed up or, you know, I'm trying to follow Him but He's going to catch me out. He's not looking to get you. He's not looking to catch you out. God is not looking to see you fail. What loving Father does that? He's not looking to catch you out when you fail. He's not looking to see you fail. He's looking to see you succeed. He's not looking to condemn you. He's not looking to punish you. Church, He's not looking to punish you. The cross says God is not looking to punish you. The cross says that God would prefer to take the punishment and consequences of our own bad decisions on Himself. That's what the cross is all about, isn't it? Jesus revealing the heart of the Father, taking our stuff on him, because he's such a good and pure father that he'd prefer to take the burdens and disasters that we've made on himself than let us bear those consequences. That's what Jesus is all about. That's the good news of the cross. Look at this, Galatians 3. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. God would prefer to become and receive the curse on himself than give it out. This is the heart of God. Like he's that good. His intention is always to bless. So for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree or a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles, to everyone who's not Jewish as well, through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. And through the Spirit comes all the blessing of God. This is the heart of God. Do you see how good he is, church? His intention is always to bless. The Father's heart is to bless. Let me finish. You know the story of the prodigal son. The, this, Jesus tells this parable of this Father, and the Father is, you know, the heavenly Father in this, in this little story he tells. And the father has two sons. And the youngest totally disrespects and shames his father by saying, I wish you were dead. Give me my inheritance. And goes and squanders it. Remember, this isn't an honor-shame culture. We don't live in an honor-shame culture. This is much more dramatic in that culture. An honor-shame culture. He's totally shamed his father by taking his inheritance and gone and squandered it. And he comes back thinking maybe his dad will take him on as a servant. And his dad sees him from a long way off. What's he do? He runs to him, which was shameful in that culture, especially for a wealthy man to run. He wraps his arms around him. He kisses him, kisses his dirty son that's been in a pigsty shameful for people looking on hey how could you accept your son who has disrespected you and your family throws the best robe on him puts the family ring on his finger giving him the authority of the family again saying yes you are part of my family puts sandals on his feet says go and kill the the fattened calf we're going to throw a party Because my son was dead and lost. He's come back. He's alive. Was there some kind of sit down lecture? Like, do you know how much you've shamed the family? Do you know what you've done? Do you understand the gravity of your sin? Do you understand the gravity? He may not have. He just came back because he was hungry. He needed to survive. But the father doesn't bother with all that because the father is concerned about his son. He's so pure that the father is not concerned about his own honor. He's not. And and in church history, sometimes the church has got messed up and thought the cross was all about God restoring his own honor to himself. That God was, you know, shamed by us by sinning. So he had to show how bad, you know, sin is punished by punishing his son on the cross and they've got it totally wrong. This is not the heart of the father. The heart of the father is not one that looks to restore his own honor. The, the heart of the father is the, the, the story being told about the prodigal son. That, that he disregards his own honor. This father disregards his own honor to receive back his son because he's that uh, He's that good. He's that good. All honor will be restored to God and all glory to God and all that. But it's only because when we see his heart revealed to the world that he's actually that good, then everyone in reverent submission to this awesome God who could do whatever he wants, but lays his life down for us, receives us. That's all you want to do when you see the character of God for who he truly is. There is no appropriate response but just to bless him and worship him and honor him. This is the God who blesses. This is his heart. And so many of us get messed up. He's incredible. If you knew how good he was, you just wouldn't hesitate. Just run into his arms. His worship team come up. just going to pray because I can't convey any more with words. Holy Spirit, would you convey to every heart here how good Heavenly Father really is? How good Jesus is? How good you are, Holy Spirit? May your heart is to bless your heart is so pure toward us. You don't look to punish us or shame us. In Jesus you came, Jesus, and you took the shame on yourself. Wow. We honor you, God. We honor you. Thank you that this is your heart of purity. toward us. I just pray we love you more and we just understand this incredible heart for us. Just receive this as a prayer over you right now. Our Heavenly Father's desire over you. Be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. We're just going to pray this over you right now, okay? This is that prayer in numbers. Ready? The Lord bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. And make his face shine upon you. And be gracious. The Lord turn his face toward you. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like more info, please see our website at jbc.org.au. May you know Jesus' presence with you. Have a great day and God bless.